Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj Kalia. Hope you're all doing well on this November 16, 2021. Getting colder and colder as we get along these mornings, so hope you're all staying warm and having a good day. Uh, quite a few things to get into, um, you know, this episode today. Just want to get into a little bit of what's been happening in college football, kind of recap what happened in week 11, you know, I'll touch upon a couple of other things as well. Um, I'll also talk about the uh, game yesterday, uh, Monday Night Football between the Rams and 49ers, um, and, you know, go into a couple of other things as well as we uh, move along this week. So, let's start off with the... San Francisco 49ers uh, winning on Monday Night Football uh, to close off Week 10, winning 31 to 10 over the Los Angeles Rams. You know this was a game in which the Rams obviously debuted Von Miller. You did see Odell Beckham uh, get some opportunities in this game, um, but the 49ers, you know, kind of rode a strong running game, a physical defense um, uh, to victory. You saw a good job overall in terms of the 49ers protecting the football, Jimmy Garoppolo making good enough throws. You saw Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle all get featured quite a bit. And the running game, the physicality, the turnovers really hurt the Rams in this one. Never made it a game, you know, after the, you know, after the third quarter, you know, the third quarter, it kind of blew open and kind of remained that way. You know, obviously Kyle Shanahan called probably one of the better games of this season in terms of play calling and getting things done. You know, you saw some really good things overall. You know, they didn't actually grab to do too much, um, but he, you know, he did what he had to do in terms of just keeping the chains moving. You saw the running game be featured quite a bit. The defense that had been playing, you know, pretty poor, I would say, the last two three weeks, um, they really stood up and played a, a much better game um, overall. You saw a lot of good things in that defensive line. In terms of their secondary, you saw guys make plays in the football. Um, Cooper Cup, I think, was the only one who had like over 100 yards receiving. You know, but you know, but Matthew Stafford definitely had an off night. Really struggled to get it going. Made a couple of poor decisions. Also had a late, uh, you know, penalty. You know that kind of, he tried to make a play happen in the end zone, kind of past line of scrimmage. Um, but this was a game the 49ers had to win, considering that they were in their season and obviously the Trey Lance rumors and. People kind of growing more and more uh, talking about Kyle Shanahan. He definitely coached like he knows what's online this season, considering how you know he's been really good, you know, and he's probably still gonna keep you know his position probably after the season. But 49ers obviously had a lot of expectations coming to the season, obviously, they haven't panned out as well. But last night, you saw them put it together against a Rams team that now has lost two straight games. Um, you know, getting off to a little bit of a slow start and the defense is kind of having a little bit of, uh, you know, 
trouble just communicating, making plays happen. You're not seeing the Rams defense um, play as well as it should be playing. Now, yes, they can't really do anything about that pick six that Stafford threw, but you just look at it, and the 49ers just had them really on and off, you know, finding a lot of success in the running game against them. And that's kind of the formula that Kyle Shanahan is known for and wants to do. So, you know, they executed it very, very well. You saw a good amount of pressure, you know, a lot of third and long situations for the for the Rams. And, you know, Alton Beckham obviously just arrived in with the Rams. So obviously, he wasn't up to speed with a lot of things. But, you know, overall, the running game was a non-factor for the Rams. It never became a factor because they didn't stay with it. And that was the one thing that they had to try to stay with, and they did not. Um, and, th- you know, things just kind of went from there. Um, so, give the 49ers credit. They got a big-time win. Obviously, they're hitting that stretch of games where they know that they have a lot of ground to make up. Um, but they played a very, very good game yesterday. And look at the, um, you know, the Rams. They're still going to be, obviously, a good favorite in the NFC. In terms of the division, they definitely missed their chance to draw even with the Cardinals in terms of the record, even though the Cardinals have a tiebreaker, I believe. Uh, the Rams, you know, have a lot of work to do. You know, they've lost two games now, which, you know, sometimes does happen. You kind of want to see how they respond to that. And, you know, what better way to respond for the Rams than next week when they go back to the site where they lost the divisional uh, playoff to the, to the Packers, right? Last, last year, you know, the Packers and Rams met the divisional round of the playoffs. And next week, we will see that game take place in Green Bay with the Rams and Packers at Lambeau Field. So, you know, they have to definitely get themselves geared up for that one. And Stafford definitely has kind of hit a little bit of a tough spot last few games. So, uh, it's time to see how McVay and this team responds to that and, you know, what they will do next week as they play Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. So now I want to transition to talking about college football in week 11. Um, obviously, we're inching closer and closer to some of the big games coming up down the stretch for a lot of these top seeds. And obviously, the playoff rankings are going to change um, a lot, I would say, depending on what happens. And uh, this time of the year, the college football playoff committee definitely looks at like all the resumes of all these teams, looking at their records against the conference, their record against non-conference opponents, you know, points, the margin of victories, a lot of number crunching, a lot of factors are going into the decision making for the college football rankings. And I'm only giving whatever I know at this point as the rankings. Obviously, they are going to change. Um, you know, and they probably already have changed and what I probably wrote down. But that's kind of what the system is all about with the college football playoff committee is I'm choosing the best four teams. You know, and obviously the discussion for expanding the postseason will continue to happen in college football. So, you know, a lot of things are set to change even after this year, potentially. Um, But back to what happened in Week 11. Obviously, a lot of the top teams were in action against some easy opponents. Or somewhat easy opponents, I would say. You know, Um, and it just comes down to how do they continue to perform, you know, as they finish out their, their schedules. So let's start with number five Cincinnati, uh, who won 45 to 28 over Tulsa. Uh, Desmond Riddler continues to have a great season uh, for the Cincinnati Bearcats, and obviously they're obviously one of those non, you know, 
co- top conference schools, and they're trying to make history in getting to the college football playoffs. And you know, they're definitely going to have to continue to you know rack up points and win their games and finish undefeated. Now, there's a good chance that they may or may not be out of the picture even after that, but they do need some help because it seems like obviously they, you know, they, they go undefeated. Uh, some teams that may have one, one lost resume may have more quality victories, and that's the thing with Cincinnati. And they will probably be moving to a you know better conference or a much you know more recognized conference in the years coming. But for this season, if they do pull it off. I mean, it would be great to see that. So they've been a really good team overall, and they have been uh, impressive at times. It just it's all about their their schedule and you know the games they haven't had against like some top opponents. You know they've had. Maybe one or two good matchups, maybe, but not other than that. Cincinnati is just really having to have to win in dominant fashion to make their case for the committee, and they probably did get a big help because if you look at it, you know, there's one team that I'll get to that went down um, that opens the door for a lot of the contenders, maybe to get a chance in the top five, top six. Number two, Alabama uh, was too much for New Mexico State. Bryce Young put up. Uh, five touchdowns. Um, Jameson Williams, the wide receiver, had a big day. Alabama's just really loaded, and they're playing just really well after that early loss to A&M. They just have been really dominant, and that's helping them kind of remain in the playoff picture as of this moment. Uh, you look at some of the other games that took place. Number six, Michigan, won 21 to 17 over Penn State. You know, Penn State was a team that I was really high on early in the year. They definitely have had their fair share of losses since starting off, I think, 5-0 and or 6-0. and And, you know, obviously Michigan got a big-time, uh, you know, performance from their quarterback. You know, Michigan also has one loss on their schedule to Michigan State. Um, but you look at Michigan, they're obviously, they play good you know, well enough. They made, obviously, a couple of plays happen late in this game, and, um, you know, I think that Michigan is obviously in a good spot. If they can kind of find themselves winning a little more, a few games down the stretch, they could find themselves in the conversation for a pretty good bowl game, or maybe even a Big Ten championship game. Remains to be seen what Michigan's path will be um, going forward. Number one, Georgia won 41 to 17 over Tennessee. Uh, there's too much offense for Georgia. They've been dominant, and they will remain as number one seed. Um, their biggest challenge, I think, for them remains in the SEC championship game when that does get scheduled and happens this season. That will probably be a big game for them in terms of will they stay at number one or will they drop? You know, that's. That's the whole question with Georgia at this point. But they've been winning really convincingly. They've already had some top wins on their schedule this year. Um, you know, but obviously the matchup that does loom for Georgia is against Alabama potentially down the stretch. That will be that will be a big one. Number four, Ohio State uh, defeated number 19, Purdue, 59-31. Purdue's had a pretty good season. They've upset, obviously couple of teams right um, in terms of this year but Ohio State was just too much CJ Stroud and this offense was it's able to keep it going Purdue couldn't keep up Purdue couldn't keep up at all in this game I mean Ohio State really just had their way 
after the second quarter, third quarter, putting up points. And Ohio State is just looking more and more impressive. And I think they are right now uh, potentially at number four now in the playoff rankings uh, just because of how they've been looking and, do- and dominant fashion, just taking their opponents in, in big-time ways. And they have another big game, I think, next week hosting Michigan State or playing at Michigan State. So that will be huge for the for them. Notre Dame also picked up a crucial victory over the weekend. So did Oregon, um, you know, who was number three overall. Those two teams were able to get their victories as well. Um, the biggest, obviously, upset of the week, uh, in my view, was number eight, Oklahoma, losing to number 12, Baylor, 27 to 14. Uh, Baylor played a really solid game defensively. And you don't really see that about Baylor, right? They usually look for their offense and outscoring opponents, but they, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me there, yeah. I had a cough there. Um, you know, Oklahoma started, you know, their quarterback, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams was um, obviously put in right after, you know, you know whatever happened earlier that last few weeks against the Rattler. Caleb Williams had his first poor game. Um, Oklahoma did, did not produce as well in this game early. You know, they kind of were in sync, then they didn't get in sync, you know, so it kind of came down to um, just more of Baylor playing fast, playing really solid, getting it done, executing really well, and Oklahoma's chances take a big hit now because they were obviously the top team for the Big 12 school and, and for the conference, and, you know, if Oklahoma really think their chances are very low, they'll need a lot of help to get in, I think, back into the top four of the college football uh, playoff rankings. So... You know, you have a case where, you know, Alabama, Cincinnati, you know, Oregon, Georgia might be right there at the top four. Ohio State, like I said, Ohio State has probably entered that picture in my, you know, my view. Um, so that's why it's really interesting with all these scenarios, right? Because, you know, Cincinnati just hasn't been able to play against some of the top opponents as much. Um... You know, they haven't played against some of the top opponents as much because due to their confidence, their schedule. So, to me, I think for Cincinnati to get into this uh, college football, um, you know, the rankings, they're, they're really going to need to finish strong and hope that an Alabama maybe has another loss. If, if Alabama has another loss, uh, in my view, if Alabama has another loss this season, I think that they should be out, um, you know. Now, it just comes down to what the committee thinks, obviously. And that's why people are like, expand the system. Because there are a lot of good teams that deserve to get in based on their records. Um, But it comes down to some of the small things. And I think that for Cincinnati, they would need Alabama to slip up. They would need Ohio State to slip up, maybe, um, to get in. So, a lot of scenarios are going to come into play, I think, in the next few weeks. Um, so it should be interesting to see how that kind of, um, uh, you know, how that goes down. But Alabama has been so good this season in terms of their offense and stuff. It's going to be very hard to keep them out of the playoff picture. But if they were to lose, you know, they were to lose in, in a SEC championship game, I think that the committee would definitely have a lot of tough decisions in their hands. And then you look at Notre Dame and 
you look at Ohio State, I mean, these two schools obviously do have a chance to learn Dame. I think uh, they kind of missed their chances, in my view, earlier this season. Uh, but they could get back into the picture. And um, Michigan State has a chance to climb right back up and maybe get back in the, in the picture again. But they're, they're, they have to beat Ohio State to do so. And that will be a game that next week will be a, a very important one for not only for the Big Ten championship game, but for who will kind of gain an edge in terms of the rankings and standings heading into week 12 of a 2021 college football season. So in this next segment, I want to start off by talking about uh, what I have kind of referenced maybe throughout the last few months, um, even before that probably, and just talking about the HBCU uh, schools and universities, um, you know, the historically black college universities, and obviously we know that you know a lot has been going on behind the scenes and you know, throughout a lot of universities, a lot of these schools, and trying to obviously give their athletes the best opportunities uh, to be successful, to have a successful, you know, successful transition to either a pro career or, you know, we're seeing obviously coaches that once played in the NFL or associated with the NFL um, and come back to the HBCU schools and really try to rebuild these programs bring more awareness, more attention, and we're seeing more and more athletes continue to speak up, take initiatives, which you do want to see uh, across every sport, um, you know, not only in men's, uh, you know, sports, but also women's sports as well, and, you know, a thing that recently took place over the weekend, uh, ahead of the, you know, start of the college, uh, college basketball season for both the men's and women's season, uh, there was a, you know, coaches versus racism, um, you know, round ball classic uh, game that was held um, in the entertainment and sports arena in Washington, D.C. And, you know, this event and this game was brought together by two schools in Michigan and Priority View. Uh, who is obviously recognized as a HBCU school? Um, the Big Ten partnered up with this, uh, with these HBCU schools, and obviously more Big Ten teams will be doing so as well. And you know, the whole um, really uh, point of everything that they were trying to accomplish in this game is just more than just the basketball game. It's just more about bringing attention, bringing the awareness. Um, you know, to, um, you know, promote, like, this awareness of, like, social justice issues, um, you know, economic divide, um, and also just social reform and things like that. So, you know, it was more of a, a you know, an event in a game that, you know, obviously, we, you know, obviously the game, game happened and the both teams played, but it was just more about two coaches and Juwan Howard and, and Bryce Smith of Prairie View and, them speaking using their platform, players being able to talk and share a court together where, you know, you're seeing obviously talent that, in Michigan that obviously is great and everything and Prairie View, the same thing can be looked in the same light as well as there are a lot of promising athletes that uh, do need guidance and support and this um, 
this game, this event that took place over the weekend was really about just bringing together a lot of people, uh, trying to show them, trying to spread that message of like, you know, we're together through all these changes. We can make things happen if we you know, collaborate and work together. And it's just about bringing more awareness to some of these athletes to be able to give them opportunities to be uh, in a spot where they can uh, really carve out a path for their future and make real change. And that's that real change can come through obviously, you know, getting more rights, getting more uh, commitments from these you know you know highly talented athletes to come play for a university, come play for a sport. Um, that's what you want to see across all sport. More diversity, more platforms, um, more people collaborating together to start to start initiatives, to start initiatives together to carry them out. And Michigan and Prairie Review did that this past weekend. And, you know, as obviously ongoing efforts throughout a lot of HBC schools, the partner of Big Ten schools, and more conferences coming up to just really highlight and bring more awareness to a lot of issues. Now the venues may change from time to time, you know, uh, for these things. But I think this will be something that we'll see a lot more of because there are a lot of coaches, a lot of players that, you know, may not always get the same spotlight and attention or, you know, looks, you know, from, you know, the sports world. But they are very, very important There's a building a foundation and building that kind of you know that camaraderie and that kind of leadership that you want to see a lot of players and coaches today and it's happening um you know a lot and i think that hopefully we're going to see more of you know hbc schools and you know coaches and players really come to the forefront and also be able to you know have successful talks about leadership and promoting change focusing on issues that really have hurt however have but yet have affected uh, you know, society as a whole and you know hopefully we'll continue to see things kind of grow and prosper and most important thing obviously these players and these coaches you know, talk about just being committed being you know true to each other being good to each other and that's what we want to see across all sports as you know change is never easy for some schools and accepting of obviously candidates and things like that with the you know the coaching cycle of candidates and how that's kind of been going on a lot of things that are going to continue to be addressed and hopefully we'll see more of that be done with HBCU schools and kind of building their profile, their images um, to kind of be on par, on level, which they already are in their own sense, but being able to kind of reach that point where, you know, a lot of players, a lot of athletes coming up can also consider HBC school, HBC schools as well on their path to either being a great baseball player, a great football player or you know going to baseball or even into other sports like wrestling and rugby and many more so in this next segment i want to just talk and give my thoughts um on the start of the 2021 2022 uh, men's college basketball season and the women's college basketball season. Now it is super early for these teams. Obviously they're getting into their games and obviously they're in for obviously a long season you know with over obviously 20 plus games and you know it's always just great to see some of these teams come back and you know they are ranked obviously early based on projections due to like 
you know, whether they got recruits, new recruits, or they got transfers, whether their coaches may have changed personnel. So there's obviously a lot always going on. Um, but looking at the, I mean, the men's side, the men's college basketball season to start off with, um, you know, you have Gonzaga, who is at number one in the AP, the AP, you know, Associated Press poll. You know, Gonzaga at number one. Um, you know, you got UCLA at number two. They obviously had a great season last year. And all these projections are based on last year, as well as the talent, the recruiting, things like that, about the experts in college basketball. You know, at number three, you have Kansas. Number four, you have Michigan. Uh, number five, you have Villanova. Uh, Purdue at number six. You have Duke at number seven. You know, Texas number eight. Number nine, you got Baylor, the defending uh, champions from last year. And at number ten, you got Illinois. Now, Illinois, although they get upset, they did lose a game, I think, yesterday. Um, so they may not be in this top ten. But these top ten on these rankings will obviously change as the season gets going. There's only been a few games played for some of these teams. Maybe two or three games have been played. Obviously, it's just great to see. Obviously, the freshman recruits start and play well for these teams. Now, obviously, some kind of have found themselves in trouble. You know, for example, you know the promising recruit out of Duke. Uh, you, you know, you just hope that you know these young freshman recruits, you know, don't get into too much kind of trouble in terms of off the basketball court and really just try to grow within their universities. But look at these teams for the men's college basketball season coming up, and. Obviously, there are so many teams that you can look at, and it's hard to pinpoint one team that you think can be the favorite to win it all this year. You know, there was a lot of projections last year about some teams that could have won it, and then, you know, behold, Baylor was the team that came out of nowhere and won it, right? Got high at the right time, played their best you know, basketball at the right time, and they were able to win. So you look at some of the teams this year and how it might go. Like Baylor... You know, they are the defending champions. They should still be a favorite probably in their conference, you know, along with Kansas and Texas. Um, but obviously they have the experience. They kind of got over the hump right after such a long period of time of not being able to win one. They did win one. And so they're a team that, you know, cannot be slept on this year because they may start slow, but they'll finish fast and still be in the conversation. You know, Gonzaga is a team that was really talented last year, came up just short. Um... You know, Jalen Suggs obviously was drafted. They lost Corey Kispert. But even despite that, they have an experienced coach in Mark Few. Uh, they landed some nice recruits overall. Um, so Gonzaga might be a team that will remain in the mix. You know, UCLA had a great season last year. Uh, they definitely have brought back a majority of their team uh, for the most part. Um, you know, they're a team that definitely surprised a lot last year. Um, and I think they will continue to surprise and, and maybe start being more better and better. Uh, you hope this season in terms of being consistent and winning and maybe being good in the Pac-12 conference. You know, you have Texas, who's obviously uh, coming off a pretty strong season as well. Uh, they've got some nice players that will be really helping their leadership this year. Uh, they might be able to have a good, good year as well. You know, Michigan I talked about earlier um, in the last segment. Michigan has got a nice roster. They're a little bit deep. They're talented. Um, got some good guys and that can really make things happen. Uh, a lot of young players. They got some leadership guys, you know, as well. So they're kind of more competitive and, you know, battle-tested 
because they have a couple of guys who obviously are returning for their senior seasons or their you know, third season or so. You know, so that's coming into play for, for sure. Uh, Villanova is always going to be a team in the mix because they have Jay Wright, who's been able to win, obviously, a good bunch of national championships in the last few years. Uh, you have Kansas with Bill Self, who has obviously led Kansas to, like, I think 18 straight 20-plus win seasons. So Kansas is obviously a team they can't rule out. Um, you know, I can go on and on. There's a lot of teams that will be really good this year in college basketball, and it just really comes down to the seeding, right, and March Madness itself. And, you know, it's definitely going to be uh, something that a lot of fans, a lot of people will be looking forward to, having the full experience back potentially for the March Madness tournament. Uh, although that's a long time away, but you know, early on you're just seeing some things kind of take place. But the rankings will definitely change, no doubt. There will be upsets. There will be teams that will have their stretches. Uh, but throughout this season, obviously, there will be a lot of good prospects that will come out, and obviously, a lot of NBA scouts will be looking at a lot of these players early on this season, and you know, start preparing their draft boards probably ahead of the 2022 NBA draft. Now I want to talk about uh, the women's college basketball season coming up. Um, obviously, you know, in women's college basketball, there's just so many great coaches and great teams that, you know, recruit so well that when they, you know, able to develop these players, they really do a good job overall in terms of just being able to, you know, execute and, you know, build their rosters overall. Um, that is the case with, you know, some of the teams that obviously were in the mix last year. You look at women's college basketball, South Carolina is up there at number one right now. UConn, number two. You got Maryland, Indiana, three, four. You know, you got North Carolina State, number five. Number six, you got Baylor. Seven, Stanford, eight, Iowa. Um, obviously, a couple more teams, you know, down there in the top 15. But, you know, Stanford obviously coming off the uh, incredible national championship victory they're obviously going to be a, a team to watch out for because they have one of the best coaches in women's college basketball history you know you have Dawn Staley with South Carolina uh, she's been so great at every level of her career in terms of winning championships and being able to be a big part of the, the development of women's basketball she's also going to be a name that you cannot uh, you know sleep on um, and overall there's a lot of good teams that are going to continue to kind of come up. I think, you know, look at UConn with Paige Bukers, uh, their team that obviously is going to be in the mix for a lot of things. Uh, even Baylor also, uh, the women's you know, college basketball team, will be there in the mix. There are a lot of great, um, you know, schools that obviously are so competitive. We've seen, obviously, a lot of finals come down to, like, you know, some of these matchups with, you know, with UConn and South Carolina, South Carolina and Stanford. Um, you know, Baylor and Stan, you know, so there's been a lot of great matchups and it's just really good to see these players obviously start up and, you know, obviously the, with the new, um, you know, things in place with the, you know, college sports itself with, you know, with the endorsement deals, with the kind of things that are happening. I mean, it's going to be a lot of uh, attention on these players and these recruits, these players, uh, overall for every, like, position, I mean, you know, when I'm talking about across all college sports, like, for some of these men, uh, you know, you know, college basketball athletes and the women college basketball athletes, you know, you will see those endorsement deals as well come up and be a factor. Um, so, 
you know, a long way to go for both seasons. Just just got started, but uh, you know, definitely promising to see uh, some of these players shine. You know, shine right away, and you know, there's obviously a lot of talent that from this year will definitely go to the WNBA, and that is going to be something to, to, to need to watch because we've seen so many great players go to the WNBA after a couple of good seasons, and that will be the case, I think, with some of these teams that are trying to get back to uh, being good. So. You know, I think that UConn is a team that I like as of right now that could you know, make a deep run again, maybe maybe get, get all the way to the final next year. But, you know, it's going to be really competitive, I think. And we've seen a lot of great matches, a lot of upsets we saw actually in the Women's March Madness tournament last year. So, you know, seeding and all that, it definitely gets thrown out the window when it comes to the March Madness tournament. Um, but a lot of teams definitely have to still secure the number one seed to get to that point. And we're going to see that kind of develop in the next two to three months with, with both seasons getting underway um, and continuing to kind of take, take shape and form in the new year as well.